Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. This is a Vault Studios production. You might call Lacombe a small town if it were even a town. But technically speaking, it's not. It's unincorporated. It does have most of the ingredients of a small town, though. A single public elementary school, a couple of mom-and-pop restaurants that seem like they've been around forever, and a population pushing 9,000. Just big enough that there are a handful of churches in Lacombe proper, but small enough that depending on what type of church you go to, you might have to drive to a neighboring town on Sundays. If you're looking for an Episcopal church, your options are to drive east to Christ Episcopal Church in Slidell or west to St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Mandeville. It's St. Michael's where Nanette Krentel used to work as a preschool teacher. It's also St. Michael's where the Friday after Nanette's death, July 21st, 2017, Nanette's family and friends are planning to gather for her memorial service. The fire was Friday. We arrived Monday. Um, and the, the funeral was Friday, the next Friday. But as Nanette's family and her community prepare to mourn, investigators are holding on to crucial information about Nanette's death and her final moments of life. For Vault Studios and WWL-TV, I'm Katie Moore. This is Beyond Bardstown, Lacombe. On the morning of Nanette's funeral, her father, Dan Watson, is still in town from Iowa, along with a handful of Nanette's other relatives from the Midwest. But just minutes before the service, right as they're all getting ready to head over to the church, their day is upended. Before we went into the funeral, we were at the motel. Dan says the family starts buzzing about Nanette's cause of death. Apparently, new information was leaked and published on a blog site. Lisa came to me and said, Gina sent her um, something that said Nanette had been shot in the head. Shot in the head, not killed by the flames or the smoke, but by a bullet. How could that be possible? And if true, why is Nanette's family just finding out about it now? And not from investigators, but from some unconfirmed blog post. We're getting ready to leave for her funeral. Nanette's sister, Kim Watson, and Kim's boyfriend, Randy Grotkin, are with Dan when they all hear about the post. And we only found out because my cousin Gina had found an article that someone had leaked something and that she was she An had online a gunshot article. wound. That was the only way we found out. And no one, we asked Steve about it when we got to her funeral. And he said, well, I got to talk to you guys after 
after the funeral, and we we didn't really we weren't there that long. Yeah, because so. we told Steve, and he pulled me aside right when we got to the funeral, said, "Hey, I can't talk now, but I need to talk to you before you leave about that gunshot wound." When the family finds the blog post online, two paragraphs down, they would read, "Quote." Early but unconfirmed reports indicate she had a bullet wound to the head. And of course, they all want to know what the phrasing early but unconfirmed reports means, if there's any truth to what they're reading. So Dan calls the one person he figures would know for sure. So I immediately called the coroner. It's extremely rude. They didn't hang up on me, but it was like, why bother? These people don't communicate any information. They have no exchange. It's just, that's it. And they cut me off. And, and uh, so then I called Steve because I figured that he might know. He said he didn't know. So Gina texted to Lisa, Lisa to Steve. That was prior to the funeral. So by then, we all knew she had been shot in the head. Right before you go into the memorial service? Yes. And you found out through a blog? Yes. As the family heads over to the church, they're armed with yet another reason to believe Nanette didn't just die in a fire, that she was killed. So that sort of changed my attitude and so forth when we were in the service and in the subsequent luncheon gathering. Our team at WWL-TV would soon confirm this leaked information, and the sheriff's office would put out a press release about the gunshot wound. In the same release, St. Tammany Parish Sheriff Randy Smith also said, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family during this tragic time, and I want to reassure them that we are diligently working on this case, and our detectives will continue to work until we have all of the answers. This news, this confirmation that Nanette had been shot, comes at the worst possible time. Right at the end of her actual memorial service, when at least a few dozen people are still in the church, Nanette's sister, Wendy Watson, was there when phones started to buzz and news spread throughout the church pews. My niece yelled out, oh my God, she was shot. What did that do to you when you heard that? Just my heart dropped and my intuition, I, I just definitely didn't second-guess my intuition. I honestly thought when my brother called me that she was given pills and that she just didn't wake up because she was drugged. I really didn't think someone was evil enough to shoot her. I didn't think that they were that evil. It takes a really, especially knowing, I know that the person that killed my sister knew her and knew that my sister would never hurt a fly and knew that she was timid and knew that she had a good heart and would never want to hurt anyone physically or emotionally or mentally. And to know that someone did that to her, or she would never do that to them, is just heartbreaking. News that Nanette Crintel didn't die in the fire could not have come at a more inopportune time. Die in the fire, but instead from a gunshot wound. 
The revelation coming on the same day of the woman's funeral. St. Tammany community is dealing with shock at this hour. This stunning update was released by the St. Tammany Sheriff's Office as loved ones were saying their final goodbyes to 49-year-old Nanette Crentel. Dozens were gathered. Sheriff's Office released that an autopsy determined Nanette Crentel was not killed in the fire last Friday at her home in Lacombe, but rather by being shot. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. So when something like this normally happens and, you know, you have, we have breaking news and then we find out that it's not what we initially thought it was. Um, if somebody ends up getting shot, I mean, how quickly do you normally find out about that in St. Tammany? Mm. Sometimes not until like the, the day later. Well, this was an entire week later. That's really long. This is Sarah Pagonis, a friend of mine who's covered this case for our partner newspaper, the Times-Picayune New Orleans Advocate. That was that was what was shocking about it. I, I just remember, you know, finding out, getting seeing the press release that she'd been shot and, and just being completely caught off guard by it. If the rest of us, even those of us covering the case, are caught off guard by this news, I, I can only imagine how Nanette's family's feeling. A family that now has proof, once and for all, that Nanette didn't just get caught in a house fire, that she didn't suffer a medical emergency or run back into her burning home to save her pets. She'd been shot. But while this may have been the biggest news of the day, it's not the only unexpected thing to happen at Nanette's memorial service. Nanette's sister, Kim Watson, and Kim's boyfriend, Randy Grotkin, say Brian Krentel, Steve's brother, shows up. And in their words, he shows a lack of interest, not really talking to anyone, not even his brother, who's grieving the death of his wife. He sat or stood outside the family room door, just stood there until we all went in to sit down, never saw him talk to anybody in there, and then went into the little area where they had food and stuff set up. I didn't see him in there at all. He talked to his mom a few times. I seen him in the hallway or in the room, but he, he wasn't very social with anyone, and I didn't see anybody going up to talk to him. Was he concerned with Steve at all? No. No, that was his mom. His mom was consoling him? Yeah. Seems like something you'd want to do if your brother's lost his wife. Yeah, he didn't even sit next to him at all. No. He was in front of us on the end, and Mom and Steve were on the opposite end of that aisle. Justin, Steve's son and Nanette's stepson, was also at the service, and for some reason, Wendy says he was taking pictures. And I almost got up at one point because his son, who's as awkward as he is, was on the altar with a professional Nikon-looking camera taking pictures of us crying the entire time. That was Justin. Yep. And I almost stood up and asked 
the priest. I know he's not a priest, but he's kind of a priest to me. I was going to ask him to please get him off the altar that this is very awkward. Why are you up there taking pictures? What are you going to do? Put an album together and um, show it to friends and say, hey, you want to see this album of my stepmom's memorial when she was shot and burned in her home? I mean, what are you going to do with those pictures? I said, all day, this has been so inappropriate, Justin. Wendy also remembers her interactions with Steve feeling a bit off. Steve was acting really odd, wasn't talking to any of us. And then he got up and went into another room and stayed in another room with his family. And then some other people in that room. She says she talked with Steve about putting up pictures of Nanette in the church, the typical photos that you'd expect to see next to the casket or urn at a memorial service. And she says Steve assured her and the rest of the family that he had it taken care of. And so I hadn't really made it up to the altar to see, but I kind of took his his word that he had a picture of my sister on the altar. But they arrived to discover there weren't any photos of Nanette on display. You know, as we're walking down the aisle to start the um, the memorial, there's no picture of my sister on the altar. Nanette's father, Dan, remembers it the same way. So he was there and they were going to set up photos of Nanette and so forth for the... For the uh, service in the church when we got there no photos and just there was a box and that was it during the service dan and the rest of that side of the family presumed the box on display in the church contains nanette's ashes which based on their accounts seems like a pretty reasonable assumption to make Stephen intimated to us that nan had been cremated um I actually was afraid Kim was going to grab the box of ashes and run with them. She had talked about it and said, don't do that. You know, I, um, there's police everywhere. And you guys were made to believe that was... Nanette's ashes. That's what he said? Or, and it was set up front like... Yes. At some point, Wendy decides to find out for herself if the family had been told the truth about Nanette being cremated. Luckily, Wendy goes up, opens the box, and there's nothing in it. The box is empty, and it turns out Nanette's remains hadn't even been brought to the church in the first place. Steve actually carried the box up the aisle with nothing in it and was bent over in complete, he was completely distraught. His mom had to hold on to him, which she can barely hold on to him. She's very tiny and very and she was trying to hold him up going down the altar. It was so dramatic. I felt like I was in a scene of Days of Our Lives or something like that. It, it just, it, um, I was thinking to myself, there's not even anything in the box. It's empty. Nan's body's not even released. And we have all these dramatics going on. And so uh, I was very upset. I just, you know, from the initial phone call, I knew something wasn't right. And as all of this was going on, I felt like I was, like I said, on an episode of Days of Our Lives and we were filming an episode. To this day, the family is still struggling to think of a good reason for that empty box to be placed on display at the service. And so, you know, it's like, why would you lie about that to us? That's just one thing. The only reason to lie about that is you don't want someone to push further or try to find something out. Oh, she's already been cremated. All the evidence is gone. I mean, Steve just did too many things to try and push you away from finding out any truth. Because he told us that she was, she died smoke inhalation 
because she's trying to save the pets. The family would eventually try to track down Nanette's remains in hopes that there might be some undiscovered evidence that could lead them to her killer. But for now, at the funeral, there's not much they can do. He um, came up to me at the back of the church. Nanette's lifelong friend, Lori Rando, is also there in Mandeville, where she runs into Steve for the first time since the fire. And um, he gave me a hug. I just said, please tell me this isn't happening. And his only reply to me was, I wish I could. And that was the one and only time I, I spoke to him that day. But at no point did he seem um, distraught. Um, at no time during the service or um, after the service um, did I ever see him shed a tear. Um, I've yet to see him shed a tear in, in two years. I'm not saying he hasn't. I'm just saying that, that I personally, in the, in the few times that I've spent with him um, afterwards, I haven't seen him to be, you know, choked up about this. As the Watsons head back to their motel, they're reeling from everything that happened in one day. The empty box, the interactions they'd found suspicious, and of course the news that Nanette had been shot, news they still haven't heard directly from the sheriff's office, by the way. So, um, we left and we were all of the same opinion, you know, that she'd been murdered and, and so forth. And we already had believed at that time that Steve played some role in it. Wasn't sure, I remember in that conversation, weren't sure what role he played, but he was involved. Later that same day, the family finally hears from St. Tammany Sheriff Randy Smith. But it's not because the sheriff contacts them. I don't know if it was on the radio or... Kim had something on her phone. The sheriff came on and said that she had been shot in the head. And Had anyone officially told you that Nanette had been shot no, at that point? No. So you find out from a blog, you have a memorial service, and then the sheriff and the coroner hold a press conference and... No, just say a, publicly that she was shot. Just the sheriff. After holding that press conference to announce this surprising development, Sheriff Smith would go on the defensive in a rare interview with WWL-TV, supporting his office's investigation and even apologizing for the timing of the announcement. St. Tammany Sheriff Randy Smith says information about the cause of death, which his office is investigating, had been leaked by a Baton Rouge website that day, leaving him no choice but to reveal it to the public officially. But he says his office believed the service was already over and that the family already knew about the development. And our thoughts and prayers go out to them. And from what we understood, that there was some information released to them from the State Fire Marshal's board about the information that, uh, that was on the website out of Baton Rouge. And we apologize, I apologize uh, for not giving them the heads up before they got the information from the media. That leak also called into question the quality of the investigation, in particular, the state fire marshal's office working to determine the cause of the fire. Fire Marshal Butch Browning, who was on the scene of the fire two Fridays ago, says his agency is doing everything right, which only operates on fact and will not be distracted from that by a website. While we now know the leaked information was accurate, 
we still don't know who leaked it to that blog site. Now, in regard to that alleged information leak, the fire marshal says he is looking into whether it came from his office and if he finds that it does come from his office, he will be taking appropriate action. But he says right now the priority is trying to get those answers for the Krentel family, and he hopes that some chemical lab tests that are underway right now will be providing that soon. Later on, when I would reach out to Steve Krentel, he'd say he didn't want to do an on-camera interview. But he did tell me, in response to the timing of this revelation that Nanette had been shot, quote, That's the part that really bothered me, was the way that came out. I was completely numb. I stayed numb for well over a month where I didn't really know what was going on. Beyond the information outlined in the press release about the gunshot wound, Nanette's loved ones wouldn't learn much else from the sheriff's office about the investigation into her death, at least not for quite a while. But instead of waiting on local officials, they were beginning to seek out answers on their own, in part fueled by growing unease about Steve. On top of everything else they knew to be going on with the Krentels, fear, anxiety, isolation. They'd learned Steve was cheating on Nanette in the years leading up to her death. Steve would eventually admit to having an affair with a woman at the fire department. Nanette's friend Lori Rando says one of the last conversations she ever had with Nanette in person was actually about the affair. So the last time I was able to see her was actually on her birthday two years before she was killed. Um, And it was at that lunch that she had told me um, that she thought, no, not thought, that she knew Steve was having an affair. She wasn't comfortable with the situation. She knew it was a person that Steve worked with at the fire station. So, um, you know, she wasn't comfortable knowing that it was someone that he would be seeing on a daily basis. I asked Lori if Nanette told her what she was going to do about it, if she'd considered leaving Steve over the affair. At the time, at that lunch, no, she did not say that she was going to leave him. She did tell me that she was going to um, confront him. And I was like, well, you know, make sure that you let me know, um, you know, what you decide to do. Um, She confronted him, but um, again, at that point, two years prior, Um, At that that point, she wasn't planning um, on leaving him that she told me. Um, But fast forward a couple of years, um, there was a lot of stress um, in the relationship as far as um, with her or with his family members. Um, There was a lot of stress with um, her brother-in-law and the different um, problems they were having with him and a lot of stress with um, her stepson, Justin. But uh, I, think, I think it did bother her. I can't imagine a woman on the planet that wouldn't be bothered um, that their husband was having an affair. And for him to imply that she was okay with it, that is absolutely incorrect. 
Four months after the fire, when Steve Krentel would finally decide to return to work for the first time, the fire district board would vote to launch a civil service investigation into him over the affair. And that wasn't the only allegation on the table. For the first time since his wife was found shot to death in their burned home in July, St. Tammany Fire District 12 Chief Steve Krentel returned to work Wednesday. All for opening an investigation. But with his return came a myriad of allegations about his actions in the workplace that are now the subject of a civil service investigation. There's been no evidence to support anything that's said in the, in the written document. So at this point, the board's process is simply going to be about seeing if there is evidence to back up the allegations. The allegations submitted in a letter by District 12 firefighter and resident Tom Williamson include possible misuse of district property and sick leave, as well as a possible relationship with a subordinate and claims of intimidation. And he has some great concerns about the direction of the fire department and making it uh, the best that it possibly can be. Krentel, who was at the meeting, says the complaint is full of hearsay and speculation, with the exception of the improper relationship. He says it was more than two years ago, and his wife knew about it. I don't appreciate it because it has nothing to do with the investigation, nor the ability to do my job, because I was not her supervisor or in any capacity. And there is no basis on anything that calls into question my ability to do my job, calls into question anything about the death of my wife. Also in the crowd was one of Nanette Krentel's sisters and an investigator looking into Nanette's case. And them to be so discouraged, I'm just hoping and praying that they will definitely get some justice themselves. That will be determined over the next 60 days. Right after the fire, others at the fire district had come to Steve's side, setting up fundraisers to support him and calling Nanette a part of their extended family, their fire family. We've been devastated by a, a really tragic loss and involved one of our extended family members. It's not something that we're used to. Uh, then we're used to the other side. But when I talked to Times-Picayune New Orleans advocate reporter Sarah Pagonis about the civil service investigation, she suggested that the, quote, fire family might not have been the big happy family it seemed to be on the surface, even before all of this. They had had a troubled past, although he wasn't sort of the person that they were upset about at that point. And I don't really remember the details about that, but they had had a lot of a lot of turmoil there. Um, I think I think that I had been told off the record by sources close to Steve about the affair before before long before it came out, sort of in the fire department stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what came out in the fire department stuff besides that that was shocking. I mean, it, it got to petty stuff like he used our washer and dryer, you know, while his house had been destroyed. And, you know, at the very beginning, it was like, oh, this is our, this is our um, fellow firefighter and we're, we're going to, you know, come rally around him, blah, blah, blah. They were not real willing to talk. They were being very protective of him. And then it just kind of changed. And what then, changed? I think what changed was that there were some people that really disliked him that wanted to get him out of there. And I don't know if that, I don't really, I can't speak to their motives. Back in the fall of 2017, in the weeks after the fire, the St. Tammany Parish Sheriff's Office says it looked at Steve Krentel as a possible person of interest. But how closely they looked, we really can't say with any certainty. As the Sheriff's Office has released few records related to the case, and remains pretty tight-lipped to this day. Steve Krentel, however, wanted to make clear that he was cooperating with the investigation. Look forward to the sheriff's office 
finally releasing something, speaking of the cooperation I've given them, because there's a lot of speculation that I have not cooperated. Two months after the fire, on September 14th, 2017, Sheriff Randy Smith would hold his first press conference since the day of the funeral, when he announced that Nanette had been shot. And like that other announcement, this one also came as a surprise to many who were following the case. Tammany Sheriff says a fire chief did not kill his wife. And that's the latest in a murder mystery that has gripped the North Shore community coming on the two-month anniversary of Nanette Krentel's death. That's right. Sheriff Smith publicly cleared Steve Krentel's name only two months to the day after Nanette was found dead. At this time, our initial, our initial primary person of interest in this investigation, the victim's husband, has been cleared. Stephen Crentel has been fully cooperative with this investigation from the beginning. While Steve Crentel says he hopes the investigation can now focus solely on Nanette, her father, who returned to court Thursday to assure all evidence and investigative materials would be preserved, says agencies' actions are not matching their words. My greatest fear at this point is that there are no suspects, but they haven't done the reports. Normally, where I come from, you don't release anybody until you have all of the information completed, including the reports, but it just has a really bad feel to it. How long have you been a reporter? 40 years. Have you ever heard a sheriff come out and say someone is no longer a suspect? No, I think that I, I, I found that weird. Once again, this is local reporter Sarah Pagonis, who was about as caught off guard about this announcement as I was. Um, normally, I think that um, they might say that um, they might say something about we're not um, the person focusing on them or something. I mean, they might say, you know, the, uh, they might say he's no longer a person of interest. And that, I don't, I don't know, but to say he's been cleared is pretty strong language. It's pretty unusual. I'd say so, but um, I don't know what, I don't know what prompted that. Some of Nanette's family members have suggested they don't think two months was enough time for the sheriff's office to have done a thorough job looking at Steve Krennel as a person of interest. And he's cleared before there's any, even much of an investigation. It's just, it's crazy. They also say that nobody interviewed them, which seems very strange because if you are in fact putting suicide on the table, it seems like you'd want to talk to people who knew her well to just ask questions about her state of mind, if nothing else. I think it was clear from them that they had to ask to go in. Yeah. Like it wasn't something that... And even even to the point of if you if you think, you know, as as is often the case that the person closest to a murder victim is the, is the first person you look at, the husband, the boyfriend is maybe the first suspect, um, why wouldn't you ask people what about their relationship or their problems? Did, were you aware of problems? Now, I do think that they found out pretty early on that he was he had had an extramarital affair. Um, it seems like they'd want to talk to everybody around that relationship to see um, what that meant. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem to have happened, at least as far as I know. Whatever the status of the investigation, we know one thing for certain. If Nanette Krentel died from a gunshot wound, someone had to pull the trigger. Wake up. 
Next time on Beyond Bardstown, Lacombe. Roughly an hour before the 911 call was the last phone call from her phone. There's a security camera somewhere on this road that captured Nanette coming back to the property at 9-11 a.m. the morning she died. That they were pretty close to wrapping things up. And that we may not like their answer. The sheriff himself was pushing suicide. Beyond Bardstown, Lacombe is a Vault Studios and WWL-TV production. You can learn more about our podcasts, including The Daily Crime and True Crime Chronicles at vaultstudios.com. Special thanks to WWL-TV News Director Keith Esperos and visual journalist Derek Waldrop. Vault Studios executive producers are Brian Weiss and Will Johnson. Reed Redmond is our writer and producer. Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland, mixes and edits the show. For Vault Studios, I'm Katie Moore. 